The following program is proudly supported by the Community Broadcasting Foundation, cbf.com.au. Being a HSC student can be stressful. It can be extremely humbling and time-consuming. It takes a lot of self-discipline, energy, patience and persistence. Particularly in such a time where many people advance in their taste, physiology and maturity, it can all seem like too much to bear. The crushing weight of expectations can be paralyzing. Stop. For one second, breathe. Realize that this is just the start of your journey. Pace yourself and know this. The milestones that matter are in the lessons that decorate the mind and not the certificates that decorate the walls. The experience has much more to give you than any mark. The journey is often more fruitful than the destination. So join us as we trek together on a journey beyond the ATAR. For many Australians, schooling starts at the age of four or five and ends during their 20s. For many of us in school, though, we take this period of our lives for granted, seeing only the monotony of working for a passing grade and dealing with a variety of intimidating authority figures. What we often overlook during this time is the personal transformation that we are unknowingly undergoing. This might sound like an overstatement, one at which I would anticipate many students will roll their eyes upon hearing. However, this is what we aim to highlight through our series – Although schooling typically ends at a specific age, learning, what we choose to carry with us, relay and uphold, is a lifelong practice, and the fact of the matter is, it only gets more difficult. What is the HSC? Why is it a thing? And what are we expected to get out of it? The HSC, as defined by the New South Wales Education Standard Authority, or NESA, is the highest level of attainment you can reach at school. Nessa also informs that the HSC was first introduced in 1967 and was sat by 18,000 students. The HSC, as we know it today, consists of a minimum of 12 preliminary units in Year 11 and 10 HSC units during Year 12. The units are diverse in format and content, and students who are more inclined towards one discipline or field of study than another have the leisure of selecting that in which they best perform. This raises the question, or rather dilemma, of expertise versus enthusiasm, passion versus proficiency. Sometimes the subject we enjoy doing, or the career path that we wish to take, doesn't align with our current skill set or our capabilities. So what then? What do we do? On paper, It's such a simple decision. We thrive when pursuing something that we are passionate about. So passion wins, right? But as we will learn, there is more weight put on the HSC than that which we ourselves put on it. Parents, teachers, peers 
universities and the wider society, it will be the topic of almost every conversation you have for those two taxing years, including our conversations to come in the series with some past and present HSC students. However, we hope to approach this topic diplomatically, enough so that we gain insight into the minds of some past and present HSC students and their diverse experiences during this time. So without further ado, let us hear from our first HSC student for the series to gauge their journey and any realizations they may have had thus far. Today I'm joined by Omar. Omar, how are you? Uh, I'm very good, thank you. How are you? Alhamdulillah, thank you for asking. And uh, just just to start off, just tell me a little bit about yourself, the subjects you're doing, maybe your future career, some mm-hmm. hobbies. Uh, I'm Omar Alwan. I'm 17 years old, and I am doing five subjects: English Advanced, Math Advanced, Business, Arabic, and Modern History. And inshallah, I plan to be a future teacher, giving back to my community as a business and math teacher. Tamam. So now you're towards the end of your journey at school. So how are you feeling about school? Um, do you find that your final years are passing by very quickly? Honestly, yani I don't even know how the time passed. SubhanAllah, I remember going into year seven, thinking there's so much time ahead of me. And then now I'm just in year 12 and I'm finishing year 12. SubhanAllah. I never expected that to go this fast. But this is how life is. Alhamdulillah. No, alhamdulillah. And so far, what have you gotten out of school? Maybe some people, they don't realise that school is such a valuable journey until it's over. Um, well, at school, I did learn a lot of life skills. I learned how to talk to many people. I'm going to be honest, in the beginning of year seven, I did not know how to talk to any single person. And then, alhamdulillah, slowly, slowly, I gained more confidence. I talked to people and I learned skills like, you learn, I learned basic, I learned how to speak English basically. And yeah, I'm going to be honest, in primary, I did not know how to speak properly. And then slowly, slowly, I started learning, started learning. I learned Arabic, I learned math, and then uh, I found a passion. And that's uh, business. I found business. Alhamdulillah, it's something I really, really enjoy. So you emphasized on speech. So that's an important thing to mention because not a lot of people appreciate that skill. But uh, do you find that now you're able to talk to different kinds of people? And can you give us an example of that? Yes. Okay. So, like I said, when I first started in year seven, I wasn't even able to talk to the teachers properly. I used to go up to them and I used to like shiver trying to talk to them. Then slowly, slowly, when I started uh, making new friends, talking to the teachers even more, I was able to even go outside of school and represent the school on multiple occasions, like uh, with the Governor General. I was able to go to the Governor General and speak to her without shivering this time, you know. It made, it a, big, it made a big, big difference in my life, you know, I was able to make... Any friends meet new people and I was able to make uh, relationships and connections with people that I never thought I'd make connections with. MashaAllah. So I'm hearing that the school environment, even though it can pressure some people to step out of their comfort zone in social situations, it was actually a benefit to you and it helped improve your social skills. Uh, yes, it did actually. Does that somehow, and uh, maybe this is a bit of a stretch, but does it somehow correlate with the field that you want to go into? Uh, it actually does. Yeah, I'm going to be very honest, it does. Um, if I was not able to speak and be confident as I am today, then I can almost guarantee you I wouldn't have chosen teaching as my next career path. And I wouldn't have excelled in my business class as much as I do now because I would not have been able to go ask the teacher for feedback, for example. I wouldn't have been able to ask my friends for help. I wouldn't have been able to help my friends, you know. And it goes both ways, helping friends and them helping me. You did speak a lot about your advancements, your personal growth. I want to ask more specifically about that period of time transitioning from year 10 to year 11 and 12. How was that? What changes have you seen during that time? Uh, okay. 
So first of all, year 10 and year 11 was actually one of the biggest steps that I've taken in my life, going from year 10 to going to year 11. Uh, first of all, social life changes completely and your educational life changes completely. Uh, you, you get a lot of more pressure put on you, but at the same time, you feel like you're able to cope with it better than before. In year 10, I never thought I'd be able to handle the stress of year 11. I used to always think, oh my God, what's going to happen to me? I don't know what's going to happen. I'm, I'm going to stress out so much. I'm going to fail. Then as soon as you step into year 11, you feel like you have all the support of the whole school behind you, supporting you as you take that big step and implement that huge change in your life. Um, year 10, socially, I was quite social because I started learning from year 7 to year 10 how to become more social and gain more confidence. But then compared to year 11, year 11 was, well, I was way more social, I was way more confident, I was way more capable and able to speak to a wider variety of people. You know what, you you bring up a very important point, which is as your environment changes, you also change and you adapt to it. And I find that, like you said, the social skills that you have at a certain age, you might think are your peak mm. until you're put in an environment that demands more of you socially. Yeah. And then you find that you yourself are excelling. That's very true. Yeah. Um, I'm going to take another example from year 11 to year 12. I thought in year 11, like there's, there's no way I could talk to more people, no way I could be more confident. Then as soon as I stepped into year 12, I felt like, as they say, king of the world, you know, I was able to speak to even like anyone from any age, you know, and it was in year 12 when I spoke to the governor general. I was able to go up to her and talk to her, even though she was of someone who uh, people regard as very high, high in uh, politics. But I was still able to go up to her, talk to her and talk to her about my future, my career talk to her about her life story, stuff like that, you know, and there's always going to be a stage in life, always going to be a time in life where, inshallah, you could excel, you could become better than you are now, and that only takes time and practice and experience. Inshallah. Excellent advice. And I want to ask about that specific moment of you talking to the Governor General. In that moment, or in moments similar to this, do you find that you are still a little bit nervous, but you're able to cope with the nervousness, or does it just feel more natural to you now? Um, there's actually a mix of both. Uh, it's usually when you first start to talk, let's say when I spoke to the Governor General, when you first start that conversation, you're going to be very nervous. That's how it always is with anyone that you meet new. But slowly, slowly, some quicker than others, you become confident. You feel that it's something natural for you. You'll feel that in the beginning that, oh no, what am I going to say? What am I going to do? What if she asked me this? What if she asked me that? But slowly, slowly, you'll get more confident, you'll get more natural and there you go. So now we're just going to go back to the topic of ATAR, because this is what this series is about. It's about reflecting on just how valuable the ATAR really is. And it is valuable, mm -hmm. you know. Um, we mentioned that it, it facilitates paths for you, but it's not the only thing that you get out of senior year. So we want to highlight the growth and identity shifts that happen in the senior year to the coming cohorts. So to show that really ATAR is just one of the outcomes. So what goals have you been setting for yourself post-graduation and do these goals centre around your ATAR? Uh, well, first of all, um, I do have ATAR goals and I do have extracurricular goals which are not based on my ATAR. Okay, so uh, my ATAR goal, well, inshallah, to achieve over 85 plus ATAR. And I think that's very reasonable for me. Uh, that's obviously done with some studying, with some commitment to my work and without wasting time. Wasting time is... I don't know if I could call it a disease, and it distracts a person a lot. And wasting time is one of the main things that will cause a person to not be able to achieve their goals. Mm, it's self-destructive. It is, it is. It's both extracurricular goals and ATAR goals, mm. educational goals. Um, 
Well, part of my growth journey in year 12, I realized that ETA isn't the only thing that matters, okay? It is something that holds a big precedence over other things. Uh, however, um, making friends, you know, finding people that will stick by you, no matter what, even in times of hardship, is something that I found as extremely important. Uh, not just making friends, but finding the right people for you, you know? Sometimes you might make a friend, but then later on you find in life that once they go through a hardship, they're not there for you. You need those type of people that are there for you, even in the hardest of times. I will give you examples of some of my goals, okay? Alhamdulillah, I was able to find those friends that stick by me, that help me whenever I need them. And then I moved on to the next step for extracurricular goals. I wanted to improve in my religion, okay? I wanted to help the da'wah more. I wanted to involve myself in a sporting activity to keep fit, to keep healthy. There's those small things that slowly, slowly they build you as a person mm. and they work in conjunction, they work by the side of your ATAR goal, you know? And that's how it is, inshallah. I think it's important to notice that your ATAR goal isn't recognizing that the ATAR is the end. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it's also about what happens and uh, not to reference the title too much, but it, it's about what happens beyond the ATAR yeah. as well. The ATAR is like a stepping stone for you. So it is important to have goals for your ATAR and we do strongly encourage it, but don't think of it as the only stepping stone That's on your true. journey. That's very true. And um, so I did want to ask about mm -hmm. these goals that you have, whether they're ATAR related or extracurricular. Were these things that you realized early on or was it something you realized only towards the end of your HSC journey? Okay. Now, this is where finding good friends comes in play. Once you find those good friends, they will help you recognize that you need those extracurricular and ATAR goals. Okay. I have one friend specifically. I don't know if I should mention his name, but... There was a time where I was very demotivated. I didn't want to do anything for ATAR. I was very distracted. I wasted a lot of time. And then he grabbed me. He's like, Omar, you need to focus. You need to get that ATAR. You need to put these goals in place. You need to do better. You could do much better. And I sat there and I realized and I thought to myself, he's right. I can do better. So why don't I do better? I should stop wasting that time and I should just focus. I only have approximately three weeks left until my HSC. So why don't I just spend those three weeks and try my best and, and get the highest ATAR I could possibly get. That's what it is. That's where good friends comes in play. He definitely sounds like a good friend and I'm very happy that you have such That's a what friend. It is. And uh, on the note of ATAR isn't the only uh, pathway, that friend in specific, he found a way to not do ATAR but still get the degree that he wants. Okay? Um, he found that him not doing ATAR would benefit him the most. Him finding that was something that he needed to be able to achieve those extracurricular goals and in the future he was able to achieve that degree that he wanted. Amazing. It's, it's good that you have friends that don't always have the same goals as you but will encourage you to pursue your goals and pursue what suits you. Yes. That's amazing. Barakallahu feek. Amin wa feek. And it is important to recognise that the quality of friends changes and the things that you look for in a friend change between junior years and senior years. Mm -hmm. Did you find that there was a change in what you looked for in a friend between junior and senior years? Yes. So on that note, I did have that one friend ever since I was a little boy. Oh, wow. We grew up together and we helped each other through everything. So that finding that friend is very, very, very important. However, there were times where I made friends with the wrong people. I made friends with those people, but that friend that I had since I was young, he was there for me to help me and direct me on the right path. 
Um, in year seven to ten, I'm going to be very honest as well. I just wanted to make friends with everybody. Okay, I didn't choose the right friends, like I was mentioning before. I wanted to make friends with everybody, so everyone would accept me, so people would like me, so I didn't get into problems. I just I was that type of person. I didn't want to cause conflict, you know. And I thought that by making friends with everyone, by everyone liking me, then there won't be any conflict. I was wrong. Okay. There's always going to be those people who you think they are your friends, but in times of hardship, as I said, they turn their back on you and they just go, you know? So it's always important to find that friend, like I have, alhamdulillah, who is there by your side and who's there to help you in times of hardship. Barakallahu feek. That's, um, that's great advice. And, you know, I think it resonates with a lot of people. I think mm-hmm. um, a lot of people, even when they do go into their senior year, they're still at a very tender stage in their life where they just want the acceptance of everyone around them. Mm-hmm. And I guess the message here is don't try to be accepted by everybody because that's not how it works. Different people have different expectations of you. Some people might often just want to get something out of you. So, and, and like you said, some people just, they won't be there in your hardest times. And that's not what a friend is. So in reality, you can't really be friends with everybody. Um, I think it's one of the most important things is to find that right friend, you know? Um, my age now and two years before, two years after, this age is the age for self-growth, self-understanding. And if you don't have a proper stage where you reach self-growth and self-understanding, then later your future will be affected. And if you don't have those right friends by your side in that stage, then this is what happens. What happens is later on, you won't become the best version of yourself. This age, you need to focus on yourself. You, you can't get distracted. You need to focus on your studies. And inshallah, those friends will come along and you'll find uh, something to enjoy, inshallah, in this life. And I recommend, this is the way that I took, alhamdulillah, this self-growth and self-understanding is done through the religion. Because if you don't do it through the religion, then you'll find yourself lost and you'll venture on a path that you regret. That's very true. Thank you very much. Thank you. So I do want to circle back to the school environment because Mm -hmm. sometimes we underestimate just how much the school environment influences us. And even for the better, sometimes it inspires us. So what can you tell me about the school environment specifically that shaped you socially? Uh, Alhamdulillah, I grew up in a religious school environment, which I just mentioned where religion is what will direct you, it is what will guide you. And me being able to grow in a religious school environment Yani without it, I would not be where I am today. I would not be working for the da'wah. I would not be helping lillahi ta'ala. I would not even have those extracurricular goals which truly help me as a person. But because the school, since I was young, they taught me the religion. They taught me what's right. They taught me what's wrong. I knew what to stay away from. I knew what to do. That helped me as a person guide me on the right path. It really do, it lays the groundwork for your values. Exactly. And your values shape the kinds of people that you attract. Mm-hmm. And an advice to those who aren't in a religious school environment, you try to foster that environment yourself. You find those friends who want the same as you and you foster that environment, even if it's in a small group of friends, you choose, hey, what's your name, Adam? What's your name, Hamza? Okay, let's stay together. We're going to help each other. We're going to pray together. And you stay together and you build that friendship, a golden friendship, one that's based off the religion. Beautiful words. I want to ask you, because the HSC period specifically, it can be pretty overwhelming, as you probably have already experienced. So 
A lot of students feel alone in their struggles, they feel isolated, and camaraderie and teamwork and even the occasional cheerfulness help to diffuse tension during high stakes periods and they comfort a depleted cohort. So now we're talking about your cohort as a whole. Mm -hmm. Did you find that the shift in culture amongst your cohort between year 10 and senior year was significant? Was it a positive shift? Was it a negative shift? Was it a bit of both? Tell me about it. Okay. So obviously there is a shift from year 10 to 11 and 12. The whole cohort will change. There'll be people leaving, there'll be people coming. And on top of that, everyone's attitudes will change. Some people become more focused, some more laid back. And you'll find, as they say, people's true colours will show. Okay? Some people, under hardship, under stress, they will change. Okay? And that is where finding the right friends also comes into play. You have to find those friends who will stick by you even in those times of hardship, like undergoing the stresses of year 11 and 12. And it's sad, but you'll realise that people change and they'll sometimes change for the worse, you know. And you have to just stay strong, you stay focused, and you don't let the negativity of the other people affect you, okay. Because one day, they're not even going to be a memory, you know. These people that affected you negatively, you're not going to remember them, you're going to forget them, they're not going to affect you anymore, and they're going to be carrying on in their lives and you're going to be carrying on in yours. These negative attitudes that occur, just ignore them, move on, and stay mature, stay responsible and stay focused. And don't get caught up in little problems that occur, because it's going to happen. In 11 and 12, all these little problems are going to occur once you see this person, they said he was my friend, and now look what he's doing, he's talking about me behind my back. Just stay focused, it's a little issue. Don't let it get to you. Excellent, mashallah. And I mean, we did focus a lot on the negative aspect, which is that a lot of people, unfortunately, are worse under pressure. But we also want to talk about the beauty of pressure sometimes bringing people together. They say misery loves company. So tell me, maybe there's more teamwork amongst you guys, because I'm pretty sure you have the same cohort, Mm -hmm. or for the most part, the same cohort going from year 10 to year 11. So did you find that they worked together more? They were more cohesive? Yep. In this stage of life, so in this age, usually people in year 11 are 16, 17. Most of the time, the people by themselves, the students by themselves won't realise. Because, subhanAllah, it's how it is. Our minds haven't reached that stage where we're mature enough, responsible enough to think, I need to help my friends. And inshallah, they will help me. Okay? A lot of people don't think that way. That's where some teachers come into play as well. The teachers, they'll be there. They'll stand by your side. You go up to them, you ask them for advice. You ask the coordinators. You ask the principal even. You go up to them, you ask them, what do I do? Should we help each other out? They'll tell you, help each other out, be there for each other, and you'll see that you'll all succeed. And that's something very, very important. And slowly, slowly, you yourself will start to, your mind will open up, your heart will open up, and you realize things for how they are. Beautiful, mashallah. I think you touched on a very important topic, which is that as you grow, the teachers, the authority figures will start to recognize you as a growing adult and will treat mm-hmm. you as such. Mm-hmm. And it's important to have those, you know, those connections with your teachers, with the people that supported your growth throughout your schooling years. So thank yep. you so much for bringing that up. And um, I hope that it brings comfort to those that are going from year 10 to year 11. You will have that support system if you just look for it in the right people. And um, to wrap up, I would just like to ask if you have any advice or any comments to the coming cohorts of uh, HSC. Yes, I have a very big advice, actually. And this one, it might seem small right now, but later on you'll realise it. Don't get caught up in the small things and stay relaxed, okay? Not relaxed where you don't do any work, but just relax. Don't stress, there's no need to stress. These times will pass. 
You're going to go through a lot right now. We know that. And people are there to support you. But don't let it take over your mind, okay? Still have those extracurricular goals in place, work towards them, and you'll find that things won't be as hard as you might make them seem. Have a goal in place, work towards that goal. And don't just swamp yourself with studies because you'll burn out, I'll tell you from now. You'll burn out, Definitely. okay? And you feel like, oh, I do study, I can't, I don't want to do this anymore. And then by the end of year 12, you'll find yourself declining in your grades and in your efforts. Start year 11 and 12, slow, be comfortable. And from the beginning of year 11 and 12, practice, go home, revise, just stuff like that. It's the small stuff that counts in year 11 and 12. Barakallahu feek. Ameen wa feek. Some people pass without learning, and others learn without passing. Learning and passing are both important. Ideally, you would want to achieve both. However, you must be able to discern when one takes priority over the other. You will eventually ask yourself, do I want to learn or do I just want to pass? When the difficult path is your pursuit, your efforts will often bear more fruit. What does this mean? Passing and failing are outcomes, destinations, things that come at the very end of the task. Learning relates to all of the time, techniques, discipline and sacrifice that you invest in the task, regardless of the outcome. Take for instance someone who exerts effort and builds a routine of study and self-care, acquires lots of information and builds foundational discipline. Would you tell such a person that their investment is in vain simply if they do not pass? Does failure negate everything that has been learned in the process? Not only would they have helpful criticism to reflect on, but they have effectively built the foundations that will assist them in the next task. With each assignment and each exam, we have opportunities far beyond the mere grade. We have the chance to become good researchers, routine builders, time managers, critical thinkers and problem solvers. And eventually, good leaders, collaborators, communicators, negotiators, mediators. As we said, passing is important. Qualification in your field is essential for meeting the requirements of a job description. But these skills gained along the way, soft skills, are ultimately what make you employable. And one of the strongest ways to acquire these skills is through the complexities of a practical school environment. And now we will hear from a HSC graduate to impart some wisdom on us from their journey beyond the ATAR. So today we're joined by Muhab, a 2019 graduate. Muhab, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. How are you, Dima? Alhamdulillah, thank you for asking. Now, we're just going to get right into the first question. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Tell us about your studies, any of your hobbies or interests that you think are relevant. So I did my HSC in 2019. That was the year I graduated just before COVID. The year after me, we were sent into lockdowns and it was quite a different experience. So I say I was the last lot before COVID kicked in. HSC was 
some might say a roller coaster of emotions. So a lot was going on in terms of study, but at the same time, this is the last year you're going to be with your group of friends, people you've spent 13 years of your life with. So you want to savor the moments and get some memories. And you also want to give back to the school that you spent time in. And at the same time, you want to push yourself and do well in the HSC. So there's a lot going on, uh, plenty of things going on that you as a student feel like you need to balance. At the same time, there's strategy to it. And that's hopefully what we can discuss today. So... You're telling me that you graduated in 2019. That's when you did your HSC. Does it feel like it was that long ago? I mean, if you frame it that way, it does. Now I feel like I'm old. Uh, yes, I've been out of school for four years now, which does feel like quite a while. But the thing is, you move from school, you get university, things start, the years start like merging together. We had COVID. So those whole two years felt like a month where every day was kind of like the one before it. It doesn't feel like that long ago, but... The memories you do build in that year, if you balance things out in terms of enjoying it and at the same time focusing on your studies because that's what HSE is, uh, something that stays with you for a while. And a lot of the people that I had in my HSE cohort are still friends I speak to today. I see them on a weekly basis. We attend lessons together at the mosque and we spend plenty of time together. So it's, it's a year you want to enjoy, use wisely and invest in yourself and enjoy it, as, as we said. Amazing, mashallah. So you were mentioning things regarding your social life, regarding studies and the memories that you have of high school, but I noticed you didn't mention your ATAR. Is that something that doesn't come up as often anymore? It doesn't. You don't necessarily get judged based on it after four years of your life. More so, it facilitates your entry into university, that being said, you can almost always still get into university regardless of your ATAR, but it kind of opens doors for you or gives you a bit of shortcuts. There's also things that might come up in terms of scholarships. I know some people who've gotten that because of their ATAR opportunities to, so you can study a specific thing because of your ATAR quicker, or you can end up getting a scholarship, which helps you through your studies. And to be honest, when it does come to a graduate role, depending on the career you're pursuing, so be your engineering, consultancy, accounting, law, oftentimes it is something you have on your resume. And if you want to put it on there, you're more likely to put it on there if you have a higher mark, which then also just goes to building the narrative of a resume. But maybe we can do an, an episode someday about resumes and job applications and all of that, and we can carry that through. Yeah, of but course. it doesn't define you in, in short, but it does help in some aspects. So I would tell students, don't be the one that says, ah, it doesn't really matter, get into uni anyways. But also don't stress yourself over it to the point where you are paralyzed and don't feel like you want to do anything else. Exactly. I think something that you mentioned at the beginning was very important. The fact that it's it facilitates for you. It facilitates a path for you. And yep. um, I remember something that someone said to me that was actually a graduate before me. They said, by the time you get your ATAR, my one expires. And from then on, it's basically just what your GPA is in university, mm -hmm. for example. Yes. So but to say that, Oftentimes, a student that invests a lot of time in year 12 to push and get that ATAR, they're building skills. Yes, analyze Shakespearean poem X will not necessarily be carried over unless you do a Bachelor of Arts majoring in English literature. But the skills you develop in terms of time management, study, what to study, how to study, how to acquire knowledge, how to apply that knowledge, that's what you will later carry on into university studies going on what you said, GPA, then matters, that will help you on that point. If you were a student that coasted through high school, even HSC, get to university, haven't really studied or taken it seriously, oftentimes there's a bit more of resistance there compared to you 
slowly training yourself up until you get to that point. So that, that's an important thing to mention. That's good. And I want to continue with that topic as well. But there is something that I want to ask you just for some personal reflection. And you don't have to tell us what the figure is. I just want to ask, were you proud of your ATAR? I think most people you ask will tell you they were if they put in the effort that they wanted to put in. So it just comes back to looking back, could I have done more? Mm-hmm. Do I want to, do I wish I had done more? Could I have done more doesn't just come down to, oh, could I have spent an extra six hours a day studying? No. What were my circumstances at the time? Was I balancing work because my family needed it? Did I have a sick member of my family? All those kind of things come into play. So like nearly anything in life, you want to be able to look back and say, I gave it a shot. I'm proud of my efforts and here's where I am. Let's move on. Not necessarily, I wish I studied more. It's not that sentiment. It's more so, what was my situation at the time? Am I happy with it? And overall, looking back, I'm happy with what ended up happening. That's such a good perspective to have. Excellent, mashallah. And um, tell me, so you were talking about all of these um, skills that you developed. People call them soft skills um, that you developed That's during right. the HSC period. So tell me, are you proud of these achievements, these soft skills that you developed and the growth that happened during the HSC regarding you? These skills carry on in almost any pursuit you follow later on. So once you leave high school, there's this cut off of regiment. You're used to waking up at 6am, catching the bus at 7am, heading off to school, arriving at 8am, classes, recess, lunch, end of the day, you go back home, you have three or four hours of study, shower, go to bed, repeat. You have your mother and father usually telling you, do X, make sure you do Y. You have at school, the teacher, the principal walking around every classroom, make sure your uniform's tucked in. There's all these these people around you that are facilitating this regimen you get yourself into, which helps you get into habits, helps you develop those soft skills in a controlled, protected environment. Now, take yourself out of that. When you're at university, you now have work. You now have your classes, which are scattered around throughout the week. You now have other social and familial commitments that you're trying to balance at the same time. All these things are now up to you to develop. So the main soft skill then becomes time management. If you haven't developed that within a controlled environment, a lab-like setting, so to say, how difficult it's going to become when you're outside, you balancing it for yourself, right? Then things like studying, acquiring knowledge. When you're at school, it's easy. You have your teacher. Have an assignment, you have your homework. Did you study yesterday? I had my math teacher. Every single class he would walk in. Did you do your two hours of math? Uh, never did, but it was a point. It was there following me up. You don't have that at university. You don't have that at work when you pursue work. So those skills, being able to develop them in a controlled environment, those soft skills are what you can then carry on with you. So yes, the answer to your question. I want to delve a little bit deeper into that. And I want you to name or tell me a story about a specific pivotal moment in your HSC, if you have one. I was actually talking to the principal of my school not too long ago. And he was telling me that you didn't seem too focused for a long period of the year and were kind of concerned about it. But at a certain point, he said, you decided, you know what? I want to do this and I want to work on it. So for me, it was the pressure. I feel like when I'm close enough to a deadline, I can put in some effort and put in a bit more time. So that turning point would have been maybe a bit before trials or around that point. And I'm like, you know what? I've been working for 13 years at this. End of the day, no one's going to look at my year three report, let alone my year 11 one. It's going to come back to that number that ends up on a piece of paper. Am I capable of doing it? If I put in a bit of effort, let's do it. So that was my thinking process. Also helps to have a clear 
reason of why, like I'm going into this two or three months of study. Why am I going to put myself through this? Oh, I want to get a big number. Okay, that, that'll only take you so far. But then things like I want to make my teachers proud who've invested so much time into me. I want to make my parents proud who've invested so much time into me. I want to end up doing X career and this will help me pursue X career. I want to feel proud of myself at the end of it. All these things kind of kicked in for me closer to the end point. So yeah, that's that's a little story if that counts as one. No, it does. And um, I want to ask, did that that trait of only really applying pressure when the deadline comes, is that something that you still have or is it something that changed over time? It feels like a therapy session at the moment. To a certain extent, but you learn to build in pressure for yourself. So be it through a friend, and we've spoken on this in other episodes on the radio, be it through a friend, what they call an accountability buddy. So you'll go in, you have two friends who you're pursuing a similar goal or you're both very ambitious towards a certain thing. Listen, John, I want to achieve this. To achieve this, I want to do one, two, and three. I want to do one within the next two weeks. Can you make sure I do it? I have respect for my friend. I love my friend. I don't want, to, I don't want him to think less of me. So I will push myself to do that. You can even take it a bit further and be like, here's $100. And if I do not complete this task, take the $100. Depends, depends uh, what floats your boat, as they say. However you find yourself uh, motivated. But I was able to realize that I want that pressure in year 12. And then I was able to adapt that as I went on. Amazing. So it was actually something that maybe at one point worked to your detriment, that you found a way to utilize it and make it a strength for yourself. Yep, that, that, that's pretty much it. Amazing. Something I wanted to bring up was the approach to HSC. You have this month of your life, right? It's going to go in. Maybe a month is a bit too short. Let's pretend it's a month. You have this period of time. You're going to go in and you're going to study. How do I use this time? What do I do in this time? Are often questions I'll get. There's so much to do. You're doing five or six subjects, diverse areas of study, and you don't know where to start. Each subject's exam is different. Each subject is taught differently. So oftentimes you find yourself juggling many things. How do I do that? The main thing I would say is, well, I've heard this said before, think of HSC as a game. You want to apply a strategy to win. I'll give a metaphor, follow along here. You might have an amazing athlete. He can jump very high. He can run very fast. He has amazing uh, vision and, and maneuverability and everything. Never played basketball in his life. Put him on a basketball court. Would he usually be able to play? Probably not as well as he could have had he done the training. It's a game. There's certain elements to it that you can only pick up by doing the game. Things like being able to read the court, read the players, do the certain move, control the ball. Only if you have played basketball enough will you be able to pick up those skills that help you do well. Similar thing for HC. You might be very smart studied well for your whole HSC life, but never actually committed around the HSC period to becoming good at HSC. How do you do that? Doing a lot of past exams, putting yourself under HSC pressure, taking your trials seriously, putting yourself in an environment which is like an exam. There are hundreds of exams out there. Print them out, sit down, redo your trials three or four times, pass exams, sit down, put out paper in front of you, set yourself a time of three hours in a quiet room, do that paper. Slowly, slowly, you're becoming more comfortable with it and you're able to pick out these trends. You're able to see these 
common factors between all your exams and your assignments, which you will only pick out if you do the exams, if you only take it seriously for long enough to actually practice and study. So when it comes to studying for the HSE, that would be my main thing. Find a lot of questions. Obviously, you would have made your notes or make your notes at a very high level. Don't be the person that walks into their exam with a textbook of notes. Summarize things to a point where you can understand it and then apply it even before you feel like you are ready. Practice the game of HSC. You eventually get to a point where you're comfortable in it and then you'll be able to, even if you're thrown a curveball in the exam, something you didn't expect, an area of the content that you didn't really focus on. Because you're so good at doing the HSC, you'll be able to push through. So that's a little study tip, I think, to point out. Definitely. And um, you did bring up something very important to mind, which is the fact that HSC is a completely different ball game. Mm-hmm. It, it really is. And you should not feel bad about yourself if you struggle at first. That's completely normal because some of us haven't even heard of a syllabus before we stepped into the HSC. Yep. Then you're told to print it out and almost memorize it. What, what is that? You, wait, you're saying I've been using a syllabus for my whole life? I didn't even know that was a thing. I, Absolutely. I totally resonate what you said, yeah. Yeah, and um, maybe even never looked at a past paper before because mm-hmm. who does that before their HSC is? But again, it comes back to you. Did you only realize, oh, I've never looked at a past paper before in the exam or have you set out the time to do that do, beforehand? Do your due diligence. Exactly. Beforehand, sit down, practice, do what you can. You're not going to walk into a board meeting not knowing what it is you're going to speak about. So apply the same logic there. Before I walk into this, I want to be ready as far as I can be ready. Do as much as I can to an extent where I feel happy. Again, we said at the beginning, it, it's not going to define you. But... It's something where if you are at this stage, that's what I'll tell my listeners who are currently in the HSE or going into it. If you are at this stage, you are able to put in time, what's your other option? For most students, you're either going to be doing borderline nothing or just wasting time or studying. That's kind of the two poles most people are at in their HSE. One will bear you fruit later on. One usually won't. So think about that while you're studying, put in the time and the effort, and you'll get to where you want. Excellent. What I've gathered from what you're saying is that it's not so much the outcome of HSC that quote-unquote defines you. It's more so your reaction to the HSC. Yep. Th- those, as, as you said very clearly, your soft skills, that you're picking up through it, seeing, hey, can I put myself through something, commit to something, and get an outcome I want, and all those things you'll pick up by going through the HSC. So zooming out of that picture of just you and focusing on the cohort as a whole. The HSC period can be even more overwhelming when a student feels alone in their struggle, when they feel isolated. So camaraderie, teamwork, and even the occasional cheerfulness help to diffuse tension during high stakes periods, and they comfort a depleted cohort. So did you find that there was a shift in the culture amongst the students transitioning from year 10 to senior years? And if so, was this a positive shift or a negative shift Or maybe it was both in different ways. That is an amazing question. Yes, in short, there was a change. And it depends on the person you're dealing with. Overall, just like most teams, when you're all under this pressure, there is a sense of camaraderie. We can push through this together. I am good at X, you are good at Y. Let's put that together. We'll both be good at X and Y. Help me study this. I can help you study that. What do you need? What are you missing? What don't you understand? What don't I understand? It helps us as a group and it helps the individual, right? If you know you have someone you can lean on and ask questions to, that was the general sentiment in our class. Everyone was 
keen to help each other and see each other through, even if it's just, how are you going? How studying been? That week out before the exam when you feel like, oh, I haven't done anything. And then you call your friend, but how's it going? He's like, oh, I'm, I've kind of not done anything as well. You're, but you both feel a bit better yourself. Yeah. You both push each other. Oh, make sure you do this. Have you looked at this? I heard about this. I heard about that. That sense of camaraderie, as you said, really came out in year 12 when it stopped being this small group of us in a class doing the same exam. More so it became us working together to achieve the best we can as a group. So, yeah, it was it was a good experience in that sense. Yeah, I mean, look, I feel like you kind of have to because you have to tackle HSC altogether because ultimately you influence each other as well. Even when we talk about the grades, you do influence each other. And so you do want to lift each other up. And strategies like an accountability buddy doesn't work if you don't have a buddy. So uh, Yep, that, that's exactly it. And also another way that it benefits you, if you go and teach a concept to someone that you understand, that's probably going to stick with you longer than if you had just written it down on a piece of paper. If you're able to go and speak to a friend about that concept, it usually sticks with you for longer. Okay, and my final question to you, Muhab, is there anything else that you would like to say as some advice to the dear listeners out there that are ready to do their HSC very soon? Work. Put in, put in effort so that when you look back at it, you're proud of what you did. Pace yourself. It's a marathon, not a sprint. By that, as in, make a clear plan from today until the HSC for biology. I want to have done X, Y, and Z for business. I want to have done X, Y, and Z for English. I want to have done X, Y, and Z. That way you can spread it out, make a clear timeline for yourself, and do it. Try out different ways of study. That's another thing. You might be a visual learner and you never knew it. Does a diagram help you? Does it not? Does a big block of text help you? Does it not? Does drawing things on a piece of paper help you? Does it not? All these kind of things, experiment, try it out. You still have plenty of time. Use that month that you have before the HSCM. Use it. Use that time. Obviously, you have a bunch of other things going in your life. Usually that last month will make a massive difference. If you use it wisely, reach out to people before you who have done it. Been there, done that. As we said, things you learn from experience that you usually don't learn through a book. So find a couple people from classes before you or just friends, anyone, nearly anyone has done the HSC. So how did you manage it? How did you work through it? Ask those kind of questions and enjoy it. Take, take some photos with your friends, build some memories and enjoy the moment you're in. Work hard and yeah, don't think that it's just this one number, but just think that I'm going to pick up so much else from it at the end, so I'm not wasting time. I'm actually using it to build these skills, get the final mark I'm happy with, and hopefully end up with the career I want. Okay, thank you so much, Mohab. Thank you for having me. Enjoyed it. Being a HSC student can be stressful. It can be extremely humbling and time-consuming. It takes a lot of self-discipline, energy, patience and persistence, particularly in such a time where many people advance in their taste, physiology and maturity. It can all seem like too much to bear. The crushing weight of expectations can be paralyzing. Stop for one second. Breathe. Realize that this is just the start of your journey. Pace yourself. And know this, 
the milestones that matter are in the lessons that decorate the mind, and not the certificates that decorate the walls. The experience has much more to give you than any mark. The journey is often more fruitful than the destination. So join us as we trek together on a journey beyond the ATAR.